to episode 61 of Sporting Max. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link, connecting you and your business with the biggest stars in the world through events and experiences. Please welcome number 61. He's former Sydney King NBL legend. He was a part of the inaugural South East Melbourne Phoenix NBL season. Ben Madgen. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max. Today we're joined by NBL legend and Sydney Kings legend, Ben Madgen. Welcome to the podcast, Ben. Uh, it's incredible to have you on. How are you going? Yeah, good, Max. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Uh, thanks, Ben. Um, now, growing up with two siblings who are both obviously now involved um, in pro sport, what was growing up in your childhood uh, like for you? Um, it was great. I mean, we were very well supported by our parents. Uh, my dad ended up working for himself uh, as a refrigeration and air conditioning mechanic um, so that he had time to be able to take all three kids. And, and my elder sister, too, was playing state softball and netball. Uh, so she was very handy as well. Um, but, yeah, he pretty much had to work for himself to, to do his own hours and, and to drive us all over the place where we grew up in the Brossa Valley. So uh, it's about an hour's drive to Adelaide. Um, so a massive commitment from mum and dad. Um, I can't thank them enough for where we ended up in life, um, especially sporting-wise, sporting, sporting wise, I think. You know, I try and yeah. replicate that a bit with, um, with my kids. You know, they're only two and four. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, Xavier wants to play soccer on, on Saturday mornings at, at 7.30, 8 o'clock. And at first I was like, oh, I don't really want to wake up like that on, uh, on mm-hmm. a Saturday. But, <laughs> you know, thinking of how I was brought up and the opportunities I had, um, it was an easy yes. So, yeah, very lucky um, to be brought up in a beautiful place like the Brossa, um, great community around us. Mm-hmm. Um, still have so many friends um, to this day from the Brossa. Love to go back. Um, and it was just a really um, nice place for a kid, you know. It was, it was very mm-hmm. outdoors. Yeah. You know, we'd jump on our bike and and mum and dad wouldn't see us for the rest of the weekend. We, we were <laughs> off. I guess it was different times then, but um, I was very, very fortunate to, to have that upbringing. And I think it raised me into the person I am today. So what were your junior basketball years like? Um, I started off pretty slow. So I, I played a lot of different sports, um, mm-hmm. loved AFL, played some cricket, played tennis, um, athletics. I did a bit of everything, which mm-hmm. um, I really loved. So I didn't really focus solely on basketball till a bit later in life, um, yep. although I played it from a young age. So, um, yeah, so I, I pretty much just played all kinds of different sports and, and was able to um, – and eventually choose from AFL and, and basketball at 17. Mm-hmm. So um, I played um, reps from, mm-hmm. I think it was under 14s, top age. So quite late yeah. compared to a lot of kids now. Um, and it was for Eastern Mavericks, great club. They were pretty new back then. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we I was able to play Division One throughout my entire junior career when maybe sometimes I wasn't completely up to it because I, mm-hmm. I was a late bloomer, I would say. Um, but being able to um, compete against the best kids, the best junior um, youth in South Australia, I think really helped catapult my development as well. So I was very fortunate for the Eastern Mavericks giving me an opportunity and, and always being able to play at a high level. What type of player were you sort of, as you sort of evolved 
like we we were different player to what you sort of were towards the back end of your career when you first started? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, you know, by the end of my career, I was no more of a shooter as a mm-hmm. shooter. But um, in my younger days, I really, my jump shot wasn't that great. You know, it wasn't until I went um, as a development player for the 36ers when I was about 19, 18, 19, and then went to college, I really developed a jump shot. Um, I always worked on it, but I saw, you know, some photos of my elbow was out. Yeah. Um, you know, the form <laughs> wasn't great. So I really worked on on that over the years and um and then actually spending a um an off season with the boomers and brad davidson um mm-hmm. was the assistant coach and um he was talking about the dip in my shot and really being able to get it off quicker mm-hmm. um and the next season i shot um i think i might have went to europe the next season or maybe my last year with the kings and i shot my best percentage um uh, from three and <laughs> ended up shooting over 40% from the three throughout my European career. So, um, yeah, I was very thankful to Brad. I remember shooting him a message and saying thanks for that. Just some mm-hmm. some easy tips and pointers and um, some drills that he showed me that I carried on um, really helped me develop my jump shot, which which helped me to extend my career, um, you know, to, be, to over many years. You mentioned that first uh, season with the Adelaide 36ers as DP. What experience or knowledge did that give you heading into college? Um, it was awesome. It was my first real taste of, of being a professional, what it was like um, to train every day in that kind of setting. Um, we had Brett Maher, Willie Farley, um, you know, some guys like that, were incredible players, Oscar Foreman, Jacob Holmes. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to learn from those guys, you know, I shot with Oscar Foreman after every practice, um, and he really helped me with my work ethic as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he is an incredible shooter throughout his career um, and because he puts up so many extra shots. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, a, it was a really big reality check of what it was going to take um, to be able to make it in the pros. Um, and I think going to college really gave me that extra further development I needed to come back and, and you know, eventually play a significant role for the Sydney Kings. Uh, but Phil Smythe was a was a head coach and a legend of the game, mm-hmm. um, so learned a lot from him. Um, and just being around around those guys and and being in the gym all day and and working on on basketball skills really helped my development. So how did you go settling into college life at Augusta State University? Yeah, Augusta was um, amazing um, for the four years I was there. I had, had such a good time, great memories, great friends, um, and we won a lot of games, which always helps. But uh, when I first got there, it was a massive culture shock. Um, I'd be lying if I said I was completely comfortable when I first got there, um, especially the food. Everything was fried. So, um, <laughs> you know, I just – I have never eaten that that badly. Um, you know, the first few months I was in, in Augusta. Um, but I, I learned, you know, how to cook a lot better mm-hmm. for myself um, and try to, you know, be as professional as I could um, with so many, you know, you can get, yeah. you know, double cheeseburger for like a dollar. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I, I love that the people made it really good. Um, they were so welcoming for me. Um, you know, the tennis team was was full of foreigners as well, Brazilians and, and Canadians and all kinds of um, of different nationalities. So we really, uh, you know, created a core group of, of friends that we're still, we still talk to this day. 
Um, and then, you know, my, my teammates and my coaching mm -hmm. staff and, you know, it was like you've automatically got 15 new friends. So um, <laughs> it, was, it was great. And also um, Robbie McKinlay, um, who was assistant coach at Sydney for a little bit. Um, now he's the um, NBA Academy in Canberra head coach um, or assistant coach. He's, uh, it was his first year as an assistant there as well. So that was a great connection. Uh, we're, we'll be long life friends now and, I think we kind of supported each other through through the first couple of um, months, especially when he had to sleep on on my couch for a couple of months because near his <laughs> apartment um, there was a lot of shooting going on, um, which mm -hmm. for Australians that was completely foreign. But um, some guys would just shoot guns up into the air every night, so wow. it was um, it was incredible, incredible um, culture shock in, in that mm -hmm. sense, just to know you know, how accessible firearms and, and things like yeah. that is part of everyday life. But for Australians, you know, I'd never even really seen a gun before till I got to the States. So that was, uh, <laughs> that was pretty crazy. Uh, what did you study in college? Uh, business. So I majored in business management, got my bachelor, and then um, I ended up doing uh, my master's at um, Macquarie Graduate School of Management when I played for the Kings. So yeah. I always thought it was really important to get education behind me. Um, you know, you could easily blow your knee out or have a horrific yeah. injury um, and that's the end of your career. So I always wanted to set myself up for uh, after basketball if it, if it ended abruptly. So I'm very lucky to have those two degrees behind me. Uh, 2010, you were named the Peach Belt Conference Player of the Year. How did you view um, that award at the time and what inspiration did that give you sort of transitioning into your first pro season um, pro career? Yeah, well, I thought I was pretty hot property at the time. I um, <laughs> had a great career. I broke all the scoring records in the conference and school and <laughs> had my jersey retired. Um, mm -hmm. But when I actually tried to get into the NBL, um, it was a lot harder than I first thought. Yeah. Um, teams weren't taking a lot of rookies. They were, you know, there was there were only I think eight or nine teams like there is now. But um, a lot of a lot of teams would take you know vet guys. Um, yeah. So there wasn't a lot of opportunity for rookies. Um, so I ended up signing with the Sydney Kings as the eleventh man, almost like an injury player. Um, <laughs> Benny Knight was out injured. He was probably going to miss the first couple of months. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I slotted in there, and then. Um, was able to make make my way into the the team, the roster first, and then the starting lineup by about the middle of my first season with the Kings. So a lot of hard work, a um, few tears, and a bit of frustration in the early days of my NBL career. But um, finally got there, and then you know the rest was kind of history. So what's that like working within your first season with the Kings, um, with guys like a young Jared Weeks or a young Kevin White, who we saw what Kevin White just did. Um, in that NBL Grand Final Series? Yeah, well, first and foremost, they're fantastic guys. You know, every time they're back in Sydney, we always catch up, um, you know, go out for a meal, have a few beers. They're, they're fantastic mm -hmm. people. Got great families now. Um, you know, Weeks, he's expecting his first kid and Kev's got um, two kids now. So yeah. all that, that kind of stage in life where, uh, you know, we had we had to grow up, but Back then, uh, it was great to have, you know, a, a couple of other rookies and, and youngsters that were all in the same boat. We all wanted to um, carve out an NBL career, pro career, and we were all working really hard to be able to make that happen. So 
you know, extra gym sessions, extra shooting sessions. It was great to have those guys along for the ride too. And, um, you know, they're still going and, and doing amazingly well. Like you said, Kev and, and Weeksy, once he got his opportunity yeah. again in Sydney, he really stepped it up and showed exactly what he can do. So um, I, I see those guys playing for many more years yet. Now, you were named our Rookie of the Year in your first uh, season with the Kings. What did that mean to you um, at the time? Uh, I think it was um, it was a great reward for a lot of hard work and perseverance. Um, yep. I had to show a lot of resiliency throughout that first year. Um, I got dropped after four games because Benny Knight came wow. back in. Um, and uh, the Kings brought in Lukey Kendall. Um, and I just, I remember saying to myself, um, I was really distraught, actually. I thought my NBL career was over because, you know, you <laughs> don't really get dropped in basketball. So yeah. <laughs> um, maybe at the end of the bench, but not to suit up. I had a couple of mates coming from Adelaide to watch me play too. So it was a devastating weekend. Mm -hmm. But we ended up having a bye and we had two weeks of just practice. And I just remember um, going home and saying, you know, if at the end of the day, if, if my basketball career doesn't work out, at the end of the season, I can say I gave everything that I had. And um, I did that two weeks. I was uh, probably not the nicest person to be around for my <laughs> teammates. Um, I didn't let up, didn't give an inch. And uh, but I think that's what, what had to happen. And I, I won over the coaches to put me back in the team. Um, and then I just went for it. Uh, I just didn't die wondering. I was aggressive. Um, I just hustled every play. Every second that I got, I played like it was my last. And, um, you know, eventually I ended up being, you know, the starting two man um, mm -hmm. in that first year and, and was able to go on to win Rookie of the Year where, you know, that – getting dropped, I was just hanging yeah. by a thread to even, um, you know, fi finish, this, finish the season <laughs> on, the, on the team. So, yeah, it was, it was a lot of relief. And I think it set up my, my career um, that back end of my first year. Um, just your third season with the Kings, you earned the NBL's most improved player, plus an all-NBL first-team honours, you know, plus leading the NBL in scoring that season. Um, what did that sort of... Like, what did, how did you look at that at the time, you know, to be recognised as one of the best players in the league? And what area do you think you actually improved on most that season? Yeah, I think um, I always had a really strong work ethic. Um, mm -hmm. But I think um, when the Kings brought in Shane Hill um, mm -hmm. towards the end of my second year, he really um, helped me channel uh, my work ethic into different parts of my game. I developed a step-back jump shot, um, yeah. quite potent. Um, you know, he gave me such good guidance, um, gave me uh, a lot of confidence um, to be able to play um, the way that, uh, you know, to my strengths, I would say. Um, you know, even for an example, we were playing in Cairns, it was a tired game, or maybe we were down by a couple of points, and I, I was having a shocker. I think I was two from 12. <laughs> couldn't hit, you know, he yeah, couldn't throw a rock in the ocean. and. Shane pulled me aside with about a minute to go and he said, you're going to win us this game. You're going to hit your next mm -hmm. couple of shots. Um, so I hit my next one. Uh, I kind of pointed to him like, thanks, mate. And then <laughs> he put the ball in my hands to win the game and I, I won mm -hmm. the game, you know, on the next shot. And I think, you know, for him to say that and believe in me like he did um, gave me the confidence to really go out that season. And, you know, I dislocated my shoulder after about eight games as well. Wow. Um, 10 games and um, was able to just strap it up for the rest of the season and kind of halted my 
momentum a little bit. But um, like Shane would always preach, you know, we don't want any excuses. You just got to go out and do it. And I did for the rest of the season, played through and um, was able to, you know, have a really successful season. And we made the playoffs that year for the first time since the Kings had been back, more importantly. Um, so the team success was there as well, which was um, even way more gratifying than any of the, uh, the end of season awards. So what's that like to work with an Australian basketball hero and legend like Shane Hill? Yeah, it was amazing. He's um, he's such a good guy. We still catch up for dinner and, um, you know, go watch the um, Geelong Cats. He's a massive Cats fan. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> I was a Crows fan. I mean, I still am, but I like watching Collingwood more now because of Jack. But, um, yeah. Yeah, he's, uh, he's just a good guy. You know, you see him, how much he cares for his family, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with Shy and how much work he puts in with her uh, yeah. and his other girls and, and Jenny, his wife. And I think from a basketball sense, um, you know, he just really gave me the confidence. He pushed me. When I went and uh, ended up dislocating my ankle in the Boomers um, preparation for the 2014 World Cup, but... We put in a, a 10 week or maybe eight week block after the NBL season. I think I had about two days off. Um, and we prepared so hard for that for that um, preparation and and that um, those tournaments. I mean, I, I felt like I, that was going to be my shot to be able to make that World Cup team. Um, yep. wasn't meant to be. gave someone else an opportunity, which is great. But um, the work that he put in for me, um, you know, every day we went twice a day. Um, you know, I didn't pay him a cent. He just, he just did it for me. <laughs> you know, out of, out of the, you know, the love of, out of his heart. So for me, I mean, it was just incredible to have him as a friend and, and a mentor, and and to push me to be the best basketball player I could. Now I read that in March two thousand fifteen, you exercised an option in your contract to leave the club at Sydney and go play in Europe. How did that decision approach and why did you decide um, to explore your other opportunities? Yeah, well, I after about uh, my second year in the league, I always wanted to just try and um, become one of the premier players in the NBL and then um, explore other options, you know, challenge myself, I think. Yeah. You know, you, to see the world playing basketball and get out of my comfort zone and um, I felt like if I retired and only played in Australia, I would have always would have had like a what if kind of feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and once I went over to Europe and, and did everything, played in the Euro Cup and, um, you know, did everything that I wanted to do with basketball, I felt like, you know, if I retired tomorrow, I'll, I'll be happy with my mm-hmm. career. So, um, you know, it was hard to leave the Kings. I was a captain of the team. Um, I loved the organisation, all the people there. So I felt like I was letting them down, but, they also understood um, that I wanted to challenge myself um, and to be able to, you know, see what see what I could do over in Europe. Mm-hmm. And um, they were so supportive. I remember, you know, having that conversation though, and everyone from the club said, go for it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've got your back. If you want to come back, you know, anytime, um, come back. We'll always keep the conversation mm-hmm. open. So, yeah, I was very lucky to be able to, to be able to have a great organisation like the Kings in my corner. So you signed uh, with the VOO, or I think it's Voter Wolves, um, Verviers Pepinsta in Belgium. Yeah, yeah. yeah good job. <laughs> what, what are your best memories um, of that season in Belgium and what was it like to explore sort of obviously a completely new and different culture? 
Yeah, it was, um, it's a fantastic place to start your European career. Um, my agent, Warren Craig, said Belgium will be great as a, as a springboard league. Um, mm-hmm. It's very much uh, very similar to Australian style basketball, quite fast paced, a lot of transition yeah. in the ball screens. Um, and it suited me so well. You know, I ended up leading the league in scoring and then I went on to play um, mm-hmm. Euro Cup the next season in Lithuania. So, it really worked out even better than expected. And the people there, the community was so nice, um, you know, to my wife um, and and myself welcoming, you know, when my wife had a 30th ber- birthday in Lithuania, about 10 Belgian friends came, flew over and, um, wow. you know, spent the weekend with her. So uh, amazing friendship group there and um, just such a great part of the world. You know, Lithuania was was yep. a lot more um, difficult. <laughs> uh, I think the people there were were a lot colder um, and not as warm and friendly um, that, than the Belgium. So, yep. you know, such a good first experience of Europe. That experience in Lithuania, um, you went on to play a few years there at two different clubs, um, helping each club to make the LKL finals, um, Euro Cup and the Lithuanian Cup final. What were those experiences like for you where sometimes you just couldn't get the win at the end of the day? Yeah, well, I actually played Brock Modem in my first um, year in a best of seven. He played for Zagreus in the finals. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it was hard. Zagreus are um, Euro League and, and very, very good team. They had, mm-hmm. um, yes, Cabbages um, as their coach. He, he coaches Barcelona now, but one of the best coaches, if mm-hmm. not the best coach in Europe. So, you know, they had their playbook was, you know, 50 plays and they just, yeah. they were so well drilled and just incredible. Anytime they needed a score, they knew exactly what they were doing. And Brock played amazing for him he, as a stretch four. He, he fit that system so well. Um, but, yeah, it was just, it was always going to be hard to beat them in a seven-game series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, each year we, we were able to pinch a couple of games. But, you know, it was funny. My first year when I played for Lee at Carbless, um, we had a couple of brothers, our twins, seven foot twins, um, called the Brolies, Laravanovich yeah. twins. Um, they played at about three or four Olympic games. They were towards the end of their career, but we finished. We won the the um, semi final. We playing Zagreus in the final, um, and we went out after the game to, for dinner. And um, one of them stood up and said, "Oh, great season, guys! You know, coming mm-hmm. second is amazing." And I was like, we haven't played the final yet. And he goes, oh, there's no chance we'll beat Zagreus. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, great. This is a big confidence boost. But, yeah. um, you know, we gave it a crack. But, um, you know, it, it was interesting how it worked out. But it was great to, to play against Brock. Uh, and it's great mm-hmm. to see him still have an amazing career over in Europe. Uh, 2018, signing in Germany, you know, exploring sort of more of Europe. What would you say are the biggest highlights um, of travelling all over the world and playing basketball? Yeah, I think um, Lithuania playing in Euro Cup was definitely the best basketball I've ever played. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the competition, um, the travel, we played from Macedonia one week to Spain to Portugal yep. to Moscow. Um, so I saw pretty much every country, um, which I'm so lucky lucky for you know it was at the time sometimes it was a bit taxing you're like what country are we in Um, (laughs) but you know I look back on it now and even um, my wife and I stayed over for two summers um, and just traveled to a lot of different countries even Morocco 
um, you know, Portugal. We loved it. Um, so that that was definitely the highlights during the during the seasons for my family was really hard because um, I was away so much. So that was you know massive sacrifice for my wife, uh, which I still pan it back to this day <laughs> for many years. But um, you know I think for Barcelona wise, just traveling the world, the people you meet, the places mm-hmm. you see. You know I never thought I'd be playing in Moscow, for instance, or Saint yeah. Petersburg. Um, and to be able to see those cities and play in front of those fans, and uh, it was just an incredible experience. Uh, you return home once again um, for the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix's inaugural NBL season. What intrigued you most about signing with the Phoenix, um, the new club in the league at the time? Yeah, so I, um, Tommy Greer had been talking to me for a few years um, prior mm-hmm. to the Phoenix, um, you know, coming into the league. and. He said, you know, when I get an opportunity, I think there's going to be a new team. would love you to come and play. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that really enticed me, besides Tommy, Tommy's a fantastic guy. I played against him many years when he played for the Tigers, um, was that I was able to sign really early. Um, we just had our second child and we are in hospital, in and out of hospital. We had RSV, um, respiratory um, virus, and we almost lost him at the start. So wow. um, we, would, we decided, let's go mm-hmm. home. Um, after this season and we were we could sign with Phoenix pretty much January I think where usually you'll be signing you know June or July so we got a house in Melbourne um, already sorted out got everything set up Mm -hmm. Um, my brother and sister Tess and Jack were in Melbourne at the time yeah that was really inviting as well Um, and then talking to Simon and and his plans for the team, um, you know, he's a great guy as well. So it all just kind of worked out. I was, um, you know, always thought I would come back to Sydney. Um, and Jeff yeah. Van Groningen and, and Gazy, after every season, um, would ask if I'd like to come back and play. But mm-hmm. uh, they knew that that was going to be their last year. Um, you know, as you know, they got mm-hmm. bought out. So they weren't signing any players. So if it was maybe a year before, I could have signed with the Kings. But, um, you know, I really had a good time um, in Melbourne. It was very professional yeah. and met some really great people there as well. You guys won your first NBL game with the Phoenix against the so-called Firepower Melbourne United um, in yeah. the first game of that season. Now, they were revved up. You know, they had Sean Long, Mellow Trimble coming into play that season. What are your memories of that night and the game getting over the line by three points? Yeah, it was a massive build-up. Um, you know, we had a huge pre-season, um, probably one of the longest pre-seasons. We started quite early. Um, Creaky wasn't there for a long time. He was away with the Boomers. Um, but, yeah, we knew Melbourne were going to be really good. Uh, you know, had some, some great new recruits. Um, but, yeah, I think after five minutes, I remember Ty Wesley um, pulled his hammy and he would be massive for us in the pre-season. So, yeah. Um, I thought, oh, it's going to be hard to cover him. But it was one of those games, I think, was just really emotionally charged. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think people knew how good John Robertson was yet. Mm-hmm. Um, he, played, <laughs> he played great that game too. So we felt like we had a great team. Um, you know, we, we didn't um, produce in the back end of the season. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, it was a great, great first memories, I think, for the whole organisation, all the hard work um, that they put in. Um, not just for us in the preseason, but all the office staff and everyone. Yep. It was a great relief to get that first win. 
What was that like to play under such a great coach like our Simon Mitchell? Uh, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a, he's a good coach. And, um, you know, I think it's always going to be difficult when you just chuck a bunch of guys kind of together. And yeah. the first year um, is always kind of like a tedious process of everyone learning their roles and, mm -hmm. um, you know, different players gelling with each other. You know, you look at Perth and, and New Zealand back in the day where they had that core group of players for, mm -hmm. you know, almost 10 years. And, um, that really helped them make the grand final year after year because it's you get that continuity and there's so many close games in, in the NBL. Mm -hmm. uh, they just help you get over the line. And last year we just lost so many close games um, and mm -hmm. that just really hurts your win-loss record um, at the end of the year. Um, in July 2020, you announced your retirement from professional basketball. Why did you decide um, to retire and leave the game? Um, well, I wasn't planning on on retiring, but um, my son Xavier, who's four, was diagnosed with autism. Um, mm. So it was it was becoming really stressful um, for him. All the moving around, me leaving. Um, he had severe separation anxiety, so I'd have to go on a road trip. He'd block the door, screaming, and I'd you yeah. know have to leave. And my um, my wife would be left there to pick up the pieces. So it was really becoming quite unfair for the family as a whole. Mm. Um, especially Zave. So um, we just decided, you know, it's what's best for Zave is what's best for the family. And let's all retire and, and look after the boys full time. My wife, you know, who I dragged all over Europe, it was time, yeah. time for me to pay her back too. So she's doing fantastically well in her career. Mm -hmm. um, so she can she can work. I look after the boys. And, and now I'm working, uh, you know, part time, 20 hours a week with Charity Bounce. Fantastic organisation, um, not for profit as well. So um, it's all worked out very well. You know, there's there's aspects of of basketball that I really miss. Yeah. Um, you know, especially seeing your mates every day, um, pushing mm. yourself to be be better every day. Um, but I think I retired at a good time too. You know, there was mm -hmm. the coronavirus hit, and no one knew when the season was starting, and then everyone mm. was in a bubble, and mm. it would have been a nightmare for my situation. So. Um, I didn't really look back and I was super busy with the boys, you know, uh, being a dad, a parent is, just, you know, the hardest job I've ever had for sure. Uh, basketball is a walk in the park compared to this, but um, I love every day. So, um, yeah, really happy. Um, now, we've recently had your sister Tess um, on the podcast and asked her this same question. Who do you think is the best athlete in the family? Well, it's definitely Tess. Now I don't know what she answered. She might have said herself too, but now she um, she said in terms of athleticism and the best shooter, it was you. <laughs> oh, thanks, Tessie. Well, um, right back at her. I think um, you know, to make an Olympic Games um, is absolutely incredible, and um, it's no easy feat. You know, she was a last cut for Rio, um, and I was really rooting for her to be able to make make an Olympic Games before she calls it a day on her career and um, when she called to tell us the news oh, I was the best moment um, tear came straight to the eyes but um, yeah she she takes the cake for sure now there's no no debating <laughs> it even if Jack wins a grand final I think we've got to go with the uh, Olympian. Um, what would be your best advice to anyone who wants to be a professional basketballer and be successful like yourself? Yeah I think a lot of um a lot of my success personally came from uh, my work ethic. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if I listen to all the people that 
um, told me that I would never make it or, you know, wasting my time, mm. you know, working out so much or practicing, um, I would have quit a long time ago. So I think it's, it's a, it's a self-belief um, and, and knowing that you, you want to, you want something so bad that you're going to work so hard and, and, you know, mm. block out the naysayers. Um, you know, I had a, a coach in South Australia call me a dime a dozen and there was a million players just wow. like me. I'd never make it. Mm -hmm. um, and I was only about 15 at the time. So, um, oh. yeah, so that was nice to hear. But it also um, gave me a bit of bit more fire in the belly to be able to mm -hmm. work even harder. Um, but I think work ethic above everything. Um, you know, I've seen some great players in college, NBL, with all the talent in the world, but they just didn't have that work ethic um, mm. to be able to stick the course. You know, you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days, but if you stick at it, um, I think, and work as hard as you can just to become the best player you can be, um, that's really going to help you have the best chance of being a professional. You know, it's, it's mm -hmm. not high, high percentage of people do, but, um, you know, if you have that kind of mindset, you'll definitely give yourself the best chance. Thanks, Ben, for coming on the podcast today and putting aside half an hour or so of your time um, to come on and have a chat. It's been an honour. No worries, Max. Thanks for having me, mate. Love your podcast. Thanks, Ben. Stay tuned, everyone, for more Sporting Max. Listening to this episode of Sporting Max, check us out on iTunes, Spotify or YouTube and be sure to follow our socials. This episode is brought to you by The Missing Link. This is The Voice of Melbourne and we'll see you back here real soon for another episode of Sporting Max.